Good morning. Good morning. So the crack about about feeling toasty. I mean, this is a funny thing. I, we live in Texas, but we have not adapted whatsoever, and we're not planning to. All right. All right. Amen. I was born and raised 40 miles north of Boston. My wife grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire. All right. We're from here. Come on now. People say, how Texan are you? And I said, the least amount absolutely possible. I am the least Texas person you have ever met. I'll rescind my comment. Thank you very much. People say, well, somebody asked me, hey, so you must be rooting for the Cowboys. I'm like... We we wear our gear, we're Patriots fans, we're Red Sox we go to Red Sox games, we go to Celtics games, we're going to Bruins game this year. Next year the the, the, uh, Patriots are gonna be playing in Dallas next season. We're gonna go to that. All right. We're going to Arizona in in December to go see the Patriots play play Arizona. That's who we are. We didn't change. Anyway. But it is great to be with you a little bit about us, besides being, you know, sports fans, is that uh, next August will be our 40th anniversary. I know you're probably thinking we got married when we were 12, right? But but, um, it'll be our 40th anniversary. Uh, I became a Christian in 1980. We became Christians both in 1984. I was working at a place called Western Electric. Anybody remember that? Oh, yeah. Of course you do, right? So I was working at Western Electric, where 10,000 people worked. And God found me among 10,000 people. I met Jim Blau at work. And uh, went to Bible Talk that first time I'd heard of having Bible Talk. I said, I to work. And uh, it was canceled. <laughs> and he didn't know about me. He didn't, I, he didn't meet me. Somebody, a friend of a friend of a friend, as I heard about it. So I showed up and went the following week, and that's how I got back. And Laura couldn't come to work, couldn't come to Bible talk there because she was working in a different place. So we started going, studied the Bible, and got baptized. So if you think you can't meet someone at work, God found me out of ten thousand people working in the same building at the same time. So that's kind of how it works. But I want to tell you a different story. So, and it has to do with Burlington, Vermont. All right. So um, for a long time, we worked for the church, and then all of a sudden, we weren't working for the church. And that happened in 2003. I was a church administrator in, uh, in San Diego for 13 years, and then I wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. You take that as, and, and so when, I, when that happened, I was sh- assuredly done with doing church administration. And so we moved back to New Hampshire in 2006, and um, when we got there, we were not doing well spiritually. We sat in the back by ourselves, right? And uh, and then one, and then slowly we kind of got integrated. You know, Greg Martin was the minister there. He, he did the he got up. He did not lead singing, thank God, but he did everything else in the church on Sunday. He did the welcome, the prayer, the communion, the contribution, the sermon, the close. And after six months, I'm sitting there going, I can't do this anymore. So I walked to him and said, I'm going to do. The, I'm going to take over all the communion stuff now. And he said, No, no, you don't have to. I said. I wasn't. I wasn't asking. <laughs> Taking it. So we started getting involved again, and we, we became part of the leadership group. And then, um, in late 2007, there was this thing called the Northern New England Leadership Retreat, where you know not just people that were paid staff, but people that were leading in any capacity went. And I ran into somebody I hadn't seen in a long time. Pat Slater. 
Both of us old. Both of us old, right? We were together in Denver for a little while, and Caroline, she comes up to me, she says, you baptized me. And my response was, why? How was I involved? I, you know, when she was a teenager, right? you know, it was just kind of weird stuff. I'm like, I don't remember that. But I met Pat, and we spent some time together, and, and had a great time. And, and um, in January of 2008, Pat picks up the phone, and he calls me. He says, hey, look, um, we need somebody to do our administration for the church. Would you do it? I said, yeah, sure. I, I, we were, uh, in 2006, we moved back to New England, and I opened a wine store. Because, I mean, the see, <laughs> ministry, engineering, ministry, administration, wine store. That's the natural progression. <laughs> and so, by the way, I've, I've, I've saved all these jokes up for now. Um, and so we started doing it, and, and you know, I was happy doing it. It was going pretty well at that point. And Pat calls me up and I said, sure, I'll do it. And then I found out that the, the Burlington Church was connected to six other churches. We're all having the same person do their administration. So I got a hold of all of them. And... They agreed to join the club. And so I went from, I'm never doing this again, to now I'm doing administration for seven churches. There's a, there's a story here. I'll explain it. I'm getting there. And one day, I remember it very clearly, I was out walking up the street from the wine store, and I just stopped in my tracks. And I sort of looked up and I said, God, we weren't doing this again. I didn't hear him laugh, but I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> And it began from there, but after, after doing this for a while, things got, I began to realize, hey, there might be some other churches out there. And so the business started to grow. So today, our, we have 70 clients, 53 of them are churches from all over the country. We even do a little work overseas. Kind of weird. I don't know how that happened. I have seven full-time employees. All of them are women. Because they were the best candidates. Um, and I tell you this story because I was done with doing what I was doing. I was really good at But I was done. But God, through the Slaters, through the Burlington Church, intervened. And this is the origin of, of where my company started. And we get to work with all sorts of amazing people. But, you know, somebody had to take a chance on us. And it was you guys. You know, and, 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 and I, think all, I think maybe all the board of directors from that time is still here. And it was because of you. And I really appreciate that because you begin to realize in life... <clears throat> That sometimes where you think you are going isn't really where you're going to end up. I started as an engineer. I was going to be an engineer for 35 years, work at Western Electric, retire, and retire like everybody else did. Fifteen, uh, fifteen months later, or 22 months later, I was in the ministry. Okay, so that changed. I thought I was going to be in the ministry for forever. In five and a half years, I got kicked out of the ministry. They said, go to administration. You seem like you might be dirty enough to do that. And, and so God just kept moving things around. And, and one of the things that I want to talk about today, get my phone out, don't worry, there's no cell service, I don't have to be bothered, bothered by that, is the idea of where is God leading you? Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. 
One of the things that have, has happened in my life is, in our life, we have begun to start looking for ways that God is leading us that we don't know or expect. Because I often find out that he has a different plan for things than we do. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story about Peter and Cornelius, and if you've read your Bible for any length of time, you've probably read this a thousand times. Well, guess what? There's lots of really good things we can get out of this. So Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. <coughs> house by the sea, that sounds good. When the angel, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. At the same time, about noon the following day, as they were on their, on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to its earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. These are Jewish laws that you are not to eat certain foods. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, this is, like, revelatory. This is mind-blowing. You just had this experience. But you can sort of tell that Peter's a little um, uh, stubborn, a little, you know, and so it says that happened three times. I thought maybe that one would have been good. But he got three. Because God knew that Peter, you know, needs extra clarification. Verse, verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Oh, they live in a gated community. He's just staying. He's just, it's not his house. He's just staying. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. When Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? You know, Peter realized that God was leading him somewhere. He had no idea where. He had just seen this vision, and, and, and he, hadn't quite, he hadn't quite got the whole meaning of the vision, because here he's got these guys coming to him. He's like, what do you guys want? Why are you here? And so the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to come to you to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men in, in his house. Yes. There's so much going on here. It's like, he got this guy, and these guys that are with, with Cornelius are probably Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles did not associate with one another. And even though Peter was a Christian, he still considered himself 
in many ways, and certainly amongst the law, Jewish. Right? And so he invites these guys in, which is another thing you're not supposed to do. And, and, and he just, but he doesn't know yet what's going to happen. So the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. He's got a caravan of people. And the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he, he said, I am only a man myself. Mm-hmm. He, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? <coughs> I still don't know why I'm here. I have no idea what I'm doing here, but... but Okay, so tell me what I'm doing. So Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send us Joppa to Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. He's like... But Peter figured it out. He said, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he's starting to put it together. It's like, okay, I saw this vision about clean and unclean, and now I'm I'm in this quote-unquote unclean house, and he's like, took him a while. Got there, though. But except from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of Peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good things and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people who intend to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed, judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes and receives forgiveness of sins through in his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard, heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So you ordained, so you ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is an amazing story, and, it, and it's a story that's familiar again, like I said, to a lot of us. But the thing that amazes me about Peter is it isn't until, like, the very end. I mean, you're talking about 35 or so verses that he has this figured out. He doesn't know why he's there, but God has led him there for peace. And, you know, one of the things that has become apparent in my life is that, is that all this, excuse me, all of this stuff that has happened with us in, in our journey from, from being, you know, being met at a place where there were 10,000 people and we were plucked out of it. God found us there. And that God 
gave us ex- these experiences in, in the ministry, and in the full-time ministry, and, 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 but, but was preparing us for something else. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then once we you know, had worked for the church for all these years, that, that was over, and it was over, except it wasn't over, because God was then preparing us for something else. Mm-hmm. And now, God even today is continuing to do those things in our life. And one of the questions I have to ask us, and for a lot of us that are <clears throat> slightly older, and you, know, and you know who you are, do you still feel like God is preparing you for something else? For something greater? For something that, that you don't know what it is? Because the thing I love about Peter is... He knew enough. Like, I have no idea what that, that vision was about. But I'm just going to go with these, these guys who said, hey, could you come with us? I'm just going to go. Because he knew in his life that God had been continually, continually preparing him for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, the next thing. and it, you know, it's amazing. We often stop looking for that. Mm. We think, you know, I've done this in my life. I've done this spiritually, this spiritually. I'm now 60. Oh, I'll be 62 in December. Obviously, my usefulness Man, you're old. is done. Thank you. You're old. <laughs> 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 Am I, you know, it's so funny. People, it's like a badge. Oh, you're only 61? Oh, you're a youngster. It's like, you're about nine months younger than you. It's a prime older than you. You know, it's just a badge thing. Going on. It's a badge thing. But it's, you know, we think when we get into a certain age, we're done. And, and my wife, who's, who's significantly younger than I am. She has not aged. She has not aged. Months younger. She's going to share a few times. You're right. Try not to. Careful. They fall. Yeah. Uh, the okay. All right. I will. You guys have got me. I know. You see me. You don't have to stand if you don't want to. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Now I'm confused. Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, just to follow up with what Steve's saying, so um, when we did move back to New Hampshire, um, I went back into teaching. I started back into teaching in California and taught there, had got myself recertified, then came back to New Hampshire where I had been originally certified and taught for 10 years and then said, okay, we're getting grandchildren in Texas. They're coming one after another, we better get down there because otherwise we're going to miss out. So that's why it brought us to Texas. Um, And it is a little bit like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. You can imagine. Um, I heard anybody anybody get that reference? Yep. Okay, good. good. (laughs) Googling now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my age is showing. Um, But when Larry said, all y'all, that is a very southern thing to say. It's like, oh my gosh, it's just like, just like Dallas, all y'all. Um, but the thing that um, she's talking about here, when we were looking over these things in Jeremiah 6, in verse 16, it says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, in this little passage, he's really giving us four directives, if you think about it. Um, the first thing is, well, stand at the crossroads. And 
I mean, at any point in our lives, we're truly all at a different crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, where should I go to school? You know, where should we live? Where should I get married? Should I have children? Where should my children go to school? You know, there's just, mm -hmm. where should I be in my life? Should I do this? Should I do that? Mm -hmm. But that's when you then, okay, ask for the way. Mm -hmm. Ask God, okay, which is the ancient way, which is the good way, and then walk in it. And the last thing he says is, then you will have peace. Mm -hmm. That is what will bring you peace. Mm -hmm. And so what I've had to do is realize that I have come across a lot of, a lot of crossroads in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, we've spent time in many areas of the world, and we've had to make many different decisions. But there's just a few things that I wanted to share with you. The first thing that God has done is he led us to Texas. Yeah. That was a very strange crossroads because we thought we were settled. Right. Yeah. You know, we're in New Hampshire. We had um, Steve's sister's a realtor. We have this nice little house on this really cool cul-de-sac. We were we were there, and then we thought, hmm, but but maybe, but God. And so we uh, we just thought, oh, oh, so Jeff and Kelly. So I really believe that God gave us that opportunity to follow the path and to be with the grandkids. And there's a, the conviction that I had in that is there's a line in a song, and it says, what do you leave to your child when you're dead? Only whatever you put in their head. And you kind of think, what have I taught them? You know, I realized my journey with my kids, even though they're older, I really wanted to still be in their head, so to speak, in their lives. And with your grandkids, what am I? What am I going to be known for? You know, what what am I called to be, and what do I want to be known for? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that kind of led us to Texas. Um, the other thing that we've always been called to do, um, besides understanding the impact of our words, is God has always called us to lead a Bible study group. We try to not, like, we try to get together and just like be in a group and just like not have, you know, it's like. Why can't we be over there with the cool people? I right, feel right, bad right. for the people that are with us. Come on. You know, it's like, all right, fine. We'll, we'll leave this group. And like I said, it, it was a little bit of a culture challenge. But what we all found out that being in Texas is we've been very blessed. Our oldest son, Jeff, is an evangelist in Dallas. He and his wife lead a, a large portion of the church there. And our daughter has never become a Christian. She's an amazing, bright, exciting. If she was here, she'd know every word of the song. She would tell you what the Bible is. She, she's there. But we realized, you know, sometimes that was that's hard. That's kind of hard when you watch your daughter struggle. And she's married this amazing man who is exactly who she needs. But putting us in Dallas, we were with families whose children have had so many struggles. And we realized, oh, my gosh. We can totally relate. I mean, you know, my daughter had a tough time in college. Oh, my gosh, the things she struggled with. A tough time when, after she got married. She's having a hard time, hard time getting pregnant. And we found out, so we're like, okay, what we did is we're all going to pray for each other's kids. So we made this whole long list, and we were all praying for each other's kids. We thought, okay, this is it. This is what's going to, God will hear us for all our kids, because very few of them had children that were Christians. So we started praying and praying. Well, so then the first family, their son is addicted to drugs, and he gets his girlfriend pregnant. And now they're raising that baby. The, the parents are raising the child because the, 
son and his um, significant other are in and out of rehab. And so we're like, oh, okay, we'll just keep praying, keep praying. Okay, and so then this other family, the son in and out of rehab, and he gets his girlfriend pregnant. And so they're going to be raising that child. Another family, very nice family, but the young lady gets pregnant by her boyfriend. Okay, you're going to get married. and But they're raising that baby. And we're like, what in the world? We need to stop praying. Like, what is he? It's like, gosh, we're like, oh, no, we'll put the paper away. Like, why am I praying for all these kids? And, you know, other families, I mean, it was just, and then our parents started to get sick. Our parents were passing. But what that did is we are now closer as a group than we were ever, had ever been, because now we're all bound by this need to really deep down dig and pray and really help support. I have been to so many baby showers. I have pitched in for so many gifts. The grandmother shower, the baby shower. Oh, the shower. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to go broke. But it's just the idea that you want people to feel loved upon. And I really found that that gave, you know, Reading his Bible talk, as hard as it's been, I realized, okay, God had us there for a reason. Yeah. We can relate. Yeah. We hear you. Kids are hard. <laughs> We're with you. And we have one of each so we can relate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was that. The other thing. Oh, and yes. Um, well, the other part, too, is just the, with our Bible talk, it's just the desire to really create family. You know, we really felt like God was calling us to really show family because I feel like we, you know, we've always done a good job with having yeah. people. So, yes. um, the next thing is, I thought, okay, what is the purpose? What am I doing here? I'm retired, so to speak, and I started this small business, but with COVID, I couldn't help people organize, and so I was like, so I South Asian missions. Missions has always been on my heart, and God presented this opportunity. Oh, they need a secretary. Well, I can't go to South South Asia. But I can be a part of supporting yeah. South Asian missions right. through just, you know, contacting the churches over there, you know, helping them with their funding. You know, I get to know all the names because I have to vet them through the terrorist network yeah. <laughs> to make sure we're, when we're sending money to Pakistan that we're doing that. So just have the heart for the missions, but I can't be there, so I've had that. And then the other thing that God showed me, I'm sitting there, is hope. The people that were leading hope in our group, he got a great... Uh, Promotion and hope. He went to San Diego. So it's like, oh, Laura, can you? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm doing this small group. Then next thing, I'm leading in another capacity. And then I'm heading up this program. And now they've asked me to do for all of Dallas. Yep. Fort Worth. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? But it's God has led me there. I didn't go with the idea. I mean, the guy that has been doing that, amazing job, 12 years. But he's an elder. And he's had his place So anyway, it's just, I, I guess I want to share all those things to tell you that by standing at the crossroads and asking God, where do you see me? It would be very easy for me to do nothing. <laughs> Steve's got this. <laughs> you know, he's got this. But how can I be a contributing factor? And that's where I find my peace. And so, Amen. Amen. Uh, I mean, you know, somebody asked me, well, why don't you just let her do the whole thing? I said, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, obviously you know why. Um, you know, Laura's just done an amazing job. She's involved in so many different things. It's just, it's just incredible, uh, all the ways she has served uh, in Texas.
This has been incredible. You know, and God has led her to these different places. And, you know, it's funny. One of the things that, that, that that's happened is that we got into different things that didn't work out. At least we thought they didn't work out. We were in the full-time ministry, and then when we got fired. Right? But they didn't really want to get rid of us, so they said, well, why don't you do administration? And I, you know, I was like, I don't want to do this. And then two weeks later, being a nerdy, you know, being a guy with an engineering background who likes numbers more than he likes people, um, <laughs> doing administration is easy. But it was interesting because when I started doing administration, everybody in church administration at that time was a CPA. I don't have any letters after my last name. <laughs> and so I was in this first meeting of all these people that were going to be working together all around the country. And so they, um, so they start talking about administration, and they talk about accounting, and I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. I'm not supposed to be. I really, it's like, I, gotta, I should just, I should go. I should leave. And, and then, like, halfway through the conversation switch, and it switched to talking about how to help people in the ministry. And everybody, all the CPAs were completely lost. And I knew right then how I was going to help them. Because I had gone on the ministry side. I can do the administrators. And, and so God had just sort of arranged this whole thing. And so then, 13 years later, I lose the administrative job. But that's it. We're done, right? So we move back and I open a wine store. That was really fun. There's no money in it, especially in New Hampshire. Don't ever do that. <laughs> and so that ends. You know, it's 2016. We sell the store and we move on and we lost. I, I wrote off a lot of losses from that wine store. But so what was the point? So why, why did God put that in the journey? people we met, the things that I learned, the wine tastings I get to do all over the country. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. I mean, it just, it, it's essentially, it's like learning a different language. You know, it's just the way you can relate to people and reach out to people and the friends that I have. T- we had two wine store weddings. Two couples met at the wine store, got married, and I did their weddings. <laughs> I get, for one of them, I get a text message all the time. Thank you for, you know, we've just celebrated our 10th year. Thank you so much. And we're still friends. It's just, you know, it's just like, how did, who does, who owns a retail shop and then do, does weddings out of it? I mean, that was just like, you right? Right. And so what I realized in looking back is that, People said, well, would you do it all over again? I said, well, I wouldn't do it in New Hampshire. <laughs> but in some ways, yeah. I mean, it was just for all the benefits and all the things, that changed, changed our lives. It changed my life. I mean, goodness gracious, you should see all the wine we have at our house. It changed our lives. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes when we look at life, we think, well, I tried this and it didn't work out. So mm-hmm. that's it. I don't think it's that way. I think it's mm-hmm. part of the journey. Yeah. God wanted to add pieces to our lives as we went along. Right? And we we want to add pieces. And and the pieces fit together. They don't look like they should fit together. But they fit together. How do the pieces in your life, and maybe you're too young, I only got one piece. Well, you don't. You'll get more. Promise. But how do those pieces fit together? And I think a lot of times what we don't do is we don't take the long view. I may not understand today. I may not understand this week. I don't understand this year, but somehow God is knitting this thing together. And sometimes you just have to enjoy the journey. Mm. Right? 
That's right. It's just, you know, it's amazing how, how this all, you know, it's so funny. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Mm -hmm. He planned a lot of courses. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We, um, we, we have talked dozens upon, just Laura and I, talked dozens upon dozens and dozens of times, you can all imagine, when are we moving back to New Great and we question. have plotted and plotted and plotted. <laughs> and, it, and, and like not just long ago, like a month ago, mm -hmm. it dawned on us. Maybe we should wait on God. Because mm -hmm. God has always like done this thing for us. <laughs> Maybe we should wait until he does the next thing. Maybe he should wait. We'll wait until God feels like he needs us somewhere else. Mm -hmm. As long as it's in New England and not in New Hampshire. That's right. I did not read the whole <laughs> So, a year ago or so, I started working with a church in Athens, Georgia. Home hey. of the University of Georgia, right? Oh, no. And so, I haven't been there, and I haven't actually met anybody from the Church of Athens, Georgia, aside from you know, me. And, and, well, you. Who I, who I met, you know, at least five seconds ago. And, um, so, so I got this like weird request to send money to this woman, and I kept getting emails from her. And I'm like, "Who the heck is this person? You're going to Molly. going to Paul? Molly? Molly? Mm. Well, Molly? I right? knew it. <laughs> Molly? <laughs> She's 83. Yep. yep. She's 83 year old woman. Her son has been one of the elders in the church, Lee, of course, right. for a long time, right? And Lee was the one that hired us. And I'm like, who the heck? I don't know. How, I don't know who she's related to. I don't know how old she is. She's just some woman that's like requesting, you know, that said, "Send funds to Molly. Send funds to Molly." Okay. And so finally, she texted me, and I texted her back and said, "Who the heck are you?" <laughs> so she calls me on the phone. This is who she is. Who she is, and maybe you can fill it. She's 83 years old. She travels to places that you and I would not. Some of them I've traveled to, but none of them you want to go. She travels to Nepal. She travels to India. She travels to Pakistan. And what she does, on, largely on her own dime, is help women in the church. She goes and helps them with being a mother, having children, getting older. And she does it on her own time, on her own dime, just to help. And I'm like, I'm just like flabbergasted. It's like, why do I? Why have I not heard of you? Why? Why? How? I mean, it should take me five minutes to raise twenty thousand dollars to take to make sure that all of your travel gets paid for. This is who are you? And it's just this one woman by herself who decided to go around the the, the world in a dangerous spot. Eighty-three years old. And can't wait to get back over there. I can't. Seriously, I'm going again. And then she said to Cheryl, me said that one time I shouldn't have gone, but I went anyway. And it's like, yeah, you shouldn't have gone during that time because it was really bad. I mean, she's like, <laughs> she's 83 years old, and she's not done. I'd like you to start asking yourself a question: Where is God leading you? We went wine tasting in May to Oregon, Laura and myself, two of my employees. 
And we had a reservation from one place. And we went there, and it was great. But I didn't know that Kate, my friend, <coughs> was making a phone call. She thought we needed to go visit a second place. Like, what are you doing? I mean, I was tempted to get mad at her, like, fine, whatever, we'll just go. <laughs> so we go to this place, and it's beautiful. And it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they do one more wine tasting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so everybody clears out, and it's just us. We sit down, we've got our glassware, and this guy comes out, and he starts pouring wine. And we start talking. And, he's, and he, all of a sudden, he blurts this out. He says, you know, I, I, said, I said, what do you do besides this? Oh, I'm a minister. Okay. He said, but, you know, the other thing is, I have, like, these two businesses. And he just says, and I can't find anybody to help me to get my finances together and, and do the accounting for a business. Seriously. So then he walks out of the room to go get more wine. And the four of us are sitting at the table, and we're looking at each other going, God's usually a little more subtle. <laughs> this was, this was, he's a client. He, you know, just. And he's like, okay, next year, when I'm taking one of those trips to wine country and I get a group of people, you're going with us. Okay, sure. I mean, it's just this. And, he, and I just, I am at the point in my life now where I'm like, okay, God, now what? And I, and, and I want us to get, the, get us to realize, I don't care how old you are. You can be 83. I don't care how old you are. It's up to you. Are you done? Or can God do more through you? If you're younger, don't do what, you know, a lot of us have done. Start now. Asking yourself, okay, God, look for ways that God is going to use you. Look for ways that God is going to work in your life. Look and realize. You know, the thing I love about Peter is that, you know, as, as much of a knucklehead as he was in Scripture, um, and all the stupid things he did and said, he loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. He followed Jesus. And at the end of his life, he got crucified. And I know there was a movie about it, and he did get crucified upside down. Because he did not feel released tradition. In, uh, in, in, uh, I think it was in Rome. Did it take him mm-hmm. um, Because he did not feel worthy to be crucified right side he was following Jesus. Uh, and, you know, I, I want my life, to, when my life ends, I want to be able to say, you know, I, 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 as best I possibly could, I went on a journey. And I, it didn't end. And I didn't go retire someplace. That wherever I am, I'm still on a journey. No matter how old you are. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to God's guiding in you. So that we, that God can continue using all the way to even being 83. Amen. Let's pray for communion. We're going to celebrate communion now. And as we do, and as Peter you know, remembered Jesus throughout his days, let us also remember him and remember that it was him who died for us. And not only was raised us up to, you know, to bring us home one day, but to take us along an amazing God, we're so grateful that we get to... Uh, gathered like this. This is, this is awesome. And I'm so grateful to God that uh, you just lead us. You lead us on the journey. You, 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 you know, we, we don't know what's next. And, you know, it's kind of fun not knowing what's next. And it's just, God, I pray that you would direct us and, and take us where you want us to go and lead us in ways that uh, we don't expect. 
God, thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life for us. God, thank you so much for raising Jesus up and to be our brother and our king. And God, I pray that as, as we commune together today, that we can remember the sacrifice, but also the joy of the resurrection. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.